Hello, my friends. You're listening to Repent and Believe podcast with Cynthia Smalls of Back to God Ministries. Welcome, my friends. Here we talk and teach the message of Jesus Christ, the only one who can claim the title of Savior of the world. We also discuss all things repentance and belief in Jesus Christ and how all these things tie into living a lifestyle where our deeds are manifested and fast and God so that we may be molded by the Father into vessels to be used for His glory. Amen. Amen. All right, so let's get started. Hey everyone, before we get started, I'd like to say thank you for tuning in. And if you enjoy my podcast, please share download, leave me a message or comment. Thanks guys. Hello everyone. This is Cynthia Smalls with Back to God Ministries. How's everyone doing today? I pray that all is well in your lives, that you are walking by faith and not by sight. You, beloved, are to never Never, never, never give up on the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. All right, child of God. What are we talking about today? Well, let us talk about what the Bible says about being not deceived. Beloved, I pray you do know that God will not be mocked, right? We are called to be not deceived. And that is what I want to talk about today. So I'm going to ask you again. Do you not know that God will not be mocked? Do you really think that we can trample underfoot the precious blood of the covenant that saved our wretched souls and not be held accountable for that just because you made a confession for Christ? God will not be mocked. Listen, Galatians 7, no, Galatians 6, 7 tells us, be not deceived. God is not mocked for whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. Amen. Listen to how the Amplified Bible says it. Verse 7. Galatians, where we at? I said Galatians 6, right? Verse 7. The Amplified says, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. He will not allow himself to be ridiculed, nor treated with contempt, nor allow his precepts to be scornfully set aside. For whatever a man sows, this and this only is what he will reap. Verse 8. For the one who sows who sows to his flesh, 
his sinful capacity, his worldliness, his disgraceful impulses will reap from the flesh ruin and destruction. But the one who sows to the spirit will from the spirit reap eternal life. Amen. I got to bring in verse 9. Let us not grow weary or become discouraged in doing good. For at the proper time, we will reap if, okay, conditional if we do not give in. Amen. So then the question becomes, what does Galatians 6, 7 mean that God is not mocked, that whatever a person sows, that will he also reap? Because listen, Paul has been encouraging believers to live a life marked by the fruit of the Spirit. We see this back in Galatians 5, 19 to 25. And to support each other in the struggles of life. And we see this in Galatians 6 verses 1 through 5. So Christianity is all about the grace of the living God. He gives us good things which we could never have earned on our own. In our sin, we deserve death and suffering. But instead, in Christ, God the Father gives us life and purpose. Amen. Still, as Paul states clearly in this verse, the grace of God does not eliminate the principles of choice and consequence. In this life, beloved, our decisions will bring with them natural results. We must not lie to ourselves, and we are going to be talking about self-deception as well today. We must not lie to ourselves that because of God's amazing grace and forgiveness of our sins, we will not suffer any harm if we continue to willfully, deliberately, blatantly choose to sin. To believe such a thing is to mock God. Yes, it is mockery to him to even think that we could live. The one who has called on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ to be saved, that we could choose willfully to live however we want and still get to go to heaven. Mm. Beloved, to believe such a thing is to mock God, to make light of Jesus' sacrifice for our sin on the cross. 
So what we do in this life does matter beyond even the question of whether or not we will see heaven in eternity. Okay. Because that's the focus, not the here and the now, but eternity, because in eternity, our choices will be reflected in our heavenly rewards. Oh yes, beloved, for those who are saved and have endured until the end. Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians 3.12. Let's go to it. And we're going to take it to verse 15. But if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will be clearly shown for what it is. For the day of judgment will disclose it because it is to be revealed with fire and the fire will test the quality and character and worth of each person's work. If any person's work which he has built on this foundation, that is any outcome of his effort remains and and survives this test, he will receive a reward. Verse 15, but, but if any person's work is burned up by the test, he will suffer the loss of his reward. Yet he himself will be saved, but only as one who has barely escaped through fire. Amen. And then Paul tells us over here in 2 Corinthians 5.10. For we believers will be called to account and must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may be repaid for what for what has been done in the body, whether good or bad. That is, each will be held responsible for his actions, purposes, goals, motives, the use or misuse of his time opportunities, and abilities. Amen. So beloved, it does matter what we do as believers in Christ. Just like yesterday's podcast, we were talking about redeeming the time, meaning how we live in this evil present age. We are not to be like the heathens, the pagans, chasing after the things of the world, but we must continue to abide in Jesus Christ, living godly lives, respecting what he has done for us at the cross, because thank you, Holy Spirit, if we truly believe that Jesus is Lord and Savior, then we will live our lives that will be reflected, reflective 
of the one who died and shed his blood on our behalf, becoming a substitute for us so that God's condemnation is no longer upon us. And so how do we live in this evil generation? Well, we make the most of the time that has been allotted to us by God even before we were ever born. So we don't waste time spending it on the fruitless deeds of darkness. Amen. Because all that we do as believers, good and bad motives, will be tested, tried by the fire. And it will be revealed for what it truly is. Although this judgment seat, when we stand before Jesus as believers in Christ, it will not be because of sin. That has been taken care of at the cross. Now that we are in the family, having endured until the end, we stand before the Bema seat, the judgment seat of Christ to receive rewards. Now, how these rewards will play out because Paul told us previously, right? That those works will be tried by fire and it will come out to be precious stones, what silver, gold, but some will come out as wood, hay, and stubble. And those works will be burnt up. So some, and I pray that we won't lose any rewards, although we have made it into the kingdom. But Paul says that we will lose rewards. And the fact that we are in the kingdom, it is only by, how he put it, by as if barely escaping through the fire. It's like saying by the skin of your teeth, you made it in. Amen. So getting back to what we were talking about, because in eternity, our choices will be reflected in our heavenly rewards for those who are saved or our eternal punishment for those who are not. And we see this, right? Come on, say it with me. Revelation 20, 11 to 14. So, like the scripture says, God is not mocked. Because until then, the crop we produce between now and the moment of our death is also determined by the seeds we plant along the way. God's natural laws of cause and effect still apply to believers and unbelievers alike. Yes, yes, Mr. and Mrs. Atheist, this applies to you as well. Beloved, the whole, the whole chapter summary of Galatians 6 includes 
instructions for how people who are free in Christ and walking by God's Spirit, living by His Spirit, should treat each other. We should restore those who are caught by sin and we should bear each other's burdens. Only those who plant the fruit of God's Spirit by faith in Christ will excuse me, will harvest eternal life. We should not get tired of doing good for each other. The harvest is coming. Paul concludes the letter writing in large letters that circumcision means nothing. Only becoming a new creation through faith in Christ matters. Amen. So, beloved, I got a treat for you today. Let us take a trip down memory lane. Because, again, least we forget, today we are talking about being not deceived. What does the Bible teaches us about deceit? deception and deceivers so let us take a quick trip down memory lane and then we're going to pray genesis 3 because genesis 3 ties in with what we will be talking about today because over there in genesis chapter 3 we find the first humans being deceived. And this is where the first lie ever told to a human being was done right here in the garden. So Genesis chapter three is all about sadly the fall of man. So let us read verse one. Now the serpent was more crafty, subtle, skilled in deceit than any living creature of the field which the Lord God had made. And the serpent, Satan, said to the woman, Can it really be that God has said, You shall not eat from any tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat from the trees of the garden, except the fruit from the tree, which is in the middle of the garden. God said, you shall not eat from it, nor touch it. Otherwise, you will die. Amen. However, beloved, God did not say anything about not touching it. It's obvious that Eve received that command from Adam. You want to know why? Because it was given to Adam. And you see how we can get in trouble with secondhand information. So anywho, verse 4. But the, and here's the first lie. But the serpent, Satan, said to the woman, You certainly will not die, for God knows 
Uh Uh-oh, here we go. Here we go with the master deceit. Putting it out there as if God has lied to them and was holding something back. The Bible just told us he's a crafty one. More, more skilled in deceit than any living creature of the field which the Lord God had made. So, he said, You certainly will not die, for God knows that on the day you eat from it, your eyes will be opened. That is, you will you will have greater awareness. And you will be like God, knowing the difference between good and evil. And when the woman, here we go. When the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was delightful to look at and a tree to be desired in order to make one wise and insightful, she took. Mm, mm, mm. Did not John tell us the M.O. of Satan and what he has to offer? And right, Holy Spirit, and he is offering this to Eve right here. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. She surmised. Now, now keep, keep in mind who was standing right there next to her. Adam. Mm-hmm. Who, by the way, was given the command. You can eat freely from every tree in the garden except the one tree that's in the middle of the garden. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil. God told Adam that in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. Well, we know it wasn't a physical death. So what died that day? Mm-hmm. His spirit, her spirit died. It fell that day because they disobeyed God off a lie. So let's finish reading. Okay. Thank you, Holy Spirit. So, right. So she saw... She fell for the lie and she took some of its fruit and ate it. And she also gave some to her husband with her and he ate. Then the eyes of the two of them were opened. That is their awareness increased and they knew that they were naked and they fastened fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. Mm-hmm. And guess what happened? Isn't it? <laughs> I, I got, I must say, this is a pattern we see in, in verse eight, because it's like the moment you sin, does not God shows up and asks what you're doing? Who told you that? 
Because I know for me, yeah, that's that pretty much how it went. So, verse 8, after they disobeyed God, what happened? God showed up. And thank you, Holy Spirit. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool afternoon breeze of the day. So the man and his wife hid and kept themselves hidden from the presence of the Lord God. Beloved, look at the pattern. When we willfully, deliberately purposefully sin against God, he shows up and we get to hide it. We stop reading his word. We stop praying. We, we turn from our godly brethren because we know they are going to call us on the carpet, on the carpet, brother, my sister, what you doing? You're living wrong. You're going the up. You're going the wrong way. Now repent. So they hid and kept and kept themselves hidden from the presence of the Lord among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to Adam and said to him, "Where are you?" Well, he know he knew where they were, but but he wanted Adam. Uh, thank you, Holy Spirit, to acknowledge him. Why are you running? So, where are you? He said, I heard the sound of you walking in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked. So, I hid myself. And God said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten? <laughs> the Lord is like, see? Have you eaten fruit from the tree of which I commanded you, Adam. I commanded you not to eat. And the man said, oh, look, here we go. Blame shifting. The woman whom you gave to me, no, who, hmm, whom you gave to be with me, she gave me fruit from the tree and I ate and I ate it verse 13 then the Lord God said to the woman what is this that you have done and the woman said the serpent look they just going down the line passing the buck and the woman said the serpent beguiled and deceived me and I ate from the forbidden tree and then we see in verse 14 that the Lord is handing down his judgment to all parties amen so can we continue to say the devil made me do it well beloved let us pray Father, in the name of Christ Jesus, we just read from your word what happened in the garden that day. We cannot blame the devil when, in fact, it was our willful, conscious, foolish decision to sin against you. 
a glorious thing did happen in spite of all of that. You preached the gospel that there was going to come a time when a virgin will conceive by Holy Spirit a Savior to save the people from this tragedy that took place here in the garden, the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, hallowed be thy holy name. You always have a good plan. This was planned out before even the foundation of the world. You also tell us to not be deceived. Thank you, Holy Spirit. It's a purpose for that. So that we don't run into the same problem that what happened in the garden. Disobedience against a direct, clear command of yours. We see over here in 1 John 4, 1. Beloved, do not believe every spirit but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, for many false prophets have gone out into the world. Amen. And Father, who is leading these false prophets into the world? Because our our enemy, the devil, he blinds the minds of those who are perishing. So that they will blame you for all the chaos that is going on in the world. They blame you for illnesses, sickness, death, crime, murder, any and all things but pointing to whom the blame should be on. Because for for the most part, people willfully sin. And yes, some are demon-possessed. And yes, some are being led by Satan himself to do evil. But the devil cannot make anyone do anything. All he can do is suggest it is man's fallen nature that we have inherited from Adam. Together with our willful choice, we sin, and because of that, the, the backlash and the result of it is that harm comes to people and self, and then we are on the road straight to a burning hell. Father, you tell us over here in Colossians 2.8, see to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. Because, Father, many of your children are being led astray in the false church. There are men and women on purpose, adulterating your word. They have their own doctrines, teaching it 
as if it is scripture, as if it comes from you, but it leads people astray. That is why Paul was telling Timothy in 2 Timothy 3.13, while evil people and imposters will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. Father, you do not want your children to be deceived about sin, about wolves in sheep's clothing, about our enemy, and about false brethren. You do not want us to be you do not want us to be deceived by riches, pleasures, and lust that comes from this world. 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 10. Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Paul also warns us in 1 Corinthians 15, 33. Do not be deceived. Scripture is unanimous, Father. Your word is is unanimous. We are not to be deceived. If we are walking in the flesh, we deceive ourselves as we are being deceived. We cannot expect the kingdom of God when we are living in habitual practicing sin. It has never worked out for anyone who thought they can have the world and you at the same time when Jesus Christ told the world, you cannot serve two masters. Either you're going to hold on to one and hate the other, love one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and mammon. You cannot. So, Father, today I pray and I ask for wisdom. I pray for the saints that we hold on to your word, that we listen to Jesus, we follow Jesus, and we obey Jesus because he's the good shepherd. He's the only one who died and shed his blood on the cross so we don't face your wrath. And then we walk in obedience to him, being led and trained by your Holy Spirit. Thank you, Father. We give you glory today. We give you honor. Help us to walk in your ways. Show us the way to go. And we will most certainly do it. Thank you for saving us. You are loving kindness. You are patience. You are love. And you and you are jealous. You do not want your children to go a whoring out into the world, bowing down to idols and worshiping false gods. You will not share your glory with no one. And rightly so, you are El Elyon, the most high God, and you will not share your throne with no one. Amen. Glory be to your name. Praise the living God, both now 
and forevermore. Thank you, Lord Jesus Christ, for saving our wretched souls. Teach us. We want to learn from you. We, we find rest in you. Thank you for everything you are doing for us. And we eagerly, long, longingly look for your return. Bless you in your mighty name, I pray. Amen, amen, glory be to God. Beloved, today it is all about being not deceived. We can't, listen, we cannot expect for a mere mortal where we put our salvation in their hands when all the while the Bible is telling us these are wolves in sheep's clothing. This is a false convert. They do not serve our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We are to call out sin. Romans 16, 17 to 18 says, I appeal to you, brothers, to watch out for those who cause divisions and create obstacles contrary to the doctrine that you have been taught, avoid them. For such persons do not serve our Lord Christ, but their own appetites. And by smooth words and flattery, they deceive the hearts of the naive family we cannot be gullible and naive. Listen, the bishop did not shed blood for you. And we have put so much stock in these leaders because we thinking they have a closer relationship with God. Why? Look at the costumes that they wear. They must be holy men. Now, beloved... The Bible told us to test every spirit to see whether or not they are from God. Yes. And this is why denomination. Yeah, I'm going to keep talking about this. Yes, I am. Uh-huh. Why? Because I hate church corruption. And and I hate it when we are being deceived right in our faces. We thinking these men and women are of God, but <clears throat> they make it clear whom they serve. I'm telling you all. Hmm. How can I say this without slander? You cannot believe Anyone who claims to be a follower of Jesus without investigating, inspecting their fruit, especially if they are, quote unquote, speaking into your life where spiritual matters are concerned. You just, you do not, thank you, Holy Spirit, just willfully turn over 
your soul and salvation to a mere mortal just because you like the choir and you like the way he or she preaches. No, beloved. No. And this is how we run into trouble because the first thing we want to do is run up into these churches. You got the Mormons, you got the Lutherans, you got the Baptists, you got the Catholics, you got Jehovah Witness, you got the Pentecostals, you got the Charismatics, you got non-denominational, you got Islam, you got Buddha, you got Hindu, all of these separate factions claiming they have the the doctrine to teach you how how to get to heaven Mm-mm-mm. when jesus said i am the way i am the truth okay no other religion can claim they are the truth They may claim they have some truth, but they cannot say they are truth. Capital T. They cannot. There's only one person named truth. Jesus Christ. He said, I am the way to the Father. I am the truth. And I am eternal life. So so if you're... Thank you, Holy Spirit. If you are looking for the way to heaven, if you are looking for the truth, and if you are seeking after eternal life, Jesus says, come to him. Come to me. Because you're not going to have this except through me. It's not coming through your works. It's not coming through your many chantings. It's not coming through your many colored rocks and stones and gems. It is not coming from a pagan pope who claims he's Christ's representative on the earth and you are to call him Holy Father. You're talking about arrogance and pride. Beloved, we better recognize who God is. He will not be mocked. So, this unrepented world is blind. Why? Why are they so blind? Well, 2 Corinthians 4 tells us. Listen to this. Starting in verse 1. Paul was saying, Therefore, since we have this ministry, just as we received mercy from God, granting us salvation, opportunities, and blessings, we do not get discouraged nor lose our motivation. But we have renounced the disgraceful things hidden because of shame, not walking in trickery or adulterating the word of God, but by stating the truth openly and plainly. We commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. Verse 3, but even if our gospel is in some sense hidden behind a veil. It is hidden 
only to those who are perishing. Verse 4, among them, the God of this world, Satan, has blinded the minds of the unbelieving to prevent them from seeing the uh, illuminating light, light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Amen. So that's the reason. Mm -hmm. That's the reason why this unrepented Christ rejecting God denying obeying not of the gospel this world is blind to all of that yep they rather have the world more than Christ well Jesus did call it though didn't he over there in John 3 the the tail end of verse 18 because all the goodness of verse 16, all the goodness of verse 3 to answer Nicodemus, the Pharisee's question. Jesus was telling him that he must be born again. He must be born again. And then we then we have John 3, 16. For God so loved the world. God demonstrated who he is to the world. He is love. And in that divine attribute, he sent the world a savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, that who, whosoever believes in him will have eternal life and they will not perish, Mm-mm. but in fact have eternal life. But, okay, but if one rejects Jesus... They have forfeited eternal life. Why? Well, he tells us in verses 18 to 21, is it? That they rejected the light, which is him. Because he tells us in the book of John that he is the light. Well, they have rejected the light because they wanted the darkness more. They wanted their sins more because they know Jesus exposes their worthless deeds, their their worthless activities for what it is, sin. And they want sin more than they want Jesus. Not only do they want their sins, but they hate him, hate him. For what? He he has he has caused no harm to to humanity at all, but only dying for the sins of the world and the and the gratitude for what he has done is rejection. No, see, now that we are in the light, we see just how much of a a travesty. That is, yes, a downright travesty. It is an abomination. It's like, so, Christ died that horrific, brutal, bloody, 
violent, mutilating death for nothing? No, he didn't do it for nothing. He did it for us because he said, thank you, Holy Spirit. He set his face as flint and went to the cross, didn't bat an eye. He was, he was resolved to the fact that he knew who was going to come to him. Yes, he knew it. From the foundation of the world, God has set aside his chosen people. They will receive Christ. They will repent of their sins. They will come to Christ because he will, he will draw us to Christ and we will receive him as Lord and Savior. And in Christ, we are the righteousness of God. We now have right standing with the Father and going forward, we sin not. Amen. And that's the stance we must take. We cannot, we cannot, we cannot allow ourselves to be deceived by this world and crooked men in robes. Absolutely not. So let us get back to that statement earlier. We was talking about, about how the devil made me do it and then we're going to close it out talking about self-deception oh yes we can quickly deceive ourselves yeah so that old adage the devil made me do it well beloved i hate to break it to you but it is not a valid excuse so as we just saw Right over there in Genesis 3.13, when Eve says, the serpent deceived me and I ate because her excuse did not get her off the hook because we see that in verse 16 and it won't help us much either. Yes. Okay. The devil and his demons tempt us to sin. Obviously, Genesis, the whole chapter 3, and the whole chapter of Luke 4, because it, it, it tells us how Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness for 40 days, being tempted by the devil. And he ate nothing during those days. And when they were ended, he was hungry. This is verse 3. The devil said to him, if you are the son of God, command this stone to become bread. And Jesus answered him, it is written, man shall, shall not live by bread alone. And the devil took him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time and said to him, to you, I will give all this authority and their glory. Beloved, how is it that the devil had all of this glory and all of this authority to which he could tempt Jesus with? 
You want to know how he got this glory and, and authority from Adam. Back there in the garden, Adam turned over the authority to Satan. And so, rightly so. And, and, and how do we know that is true? Because when he said this to Jesus, Jesus did not rebuke him for lying about this. So we know he has authority and glory. He says, to you, I will give all this authority and their glory, talking about the kingdoms of the world, for it has been delivered to me. Well, he's, that's true. That's true. I'm, I'm almost, it's like I don't even want to give him credit for, for any truth. That's why I'm, I'm hesitating over here. But the facts of the case is that it was delivered to him by Adam. So, and I give it to whom I will. And right, Holy Spirit, that's why Jesus says, what profit Will it do a man to gain the whole world from whom Satan, he just said to whom I will give it to only to lose your soul. What profit for you to gain kingdoms, treasures, pleasures, fame, success, and then lose your soul. Yes, and this is why we see many in the entertainment industry and sports, music, all of it, all of those genres. These men and women have much acclaim. They have much status and celebrity, not to mention fame, fortune, and wealth because they bowed down to Satan. They took him up on this temptation, this very one here that he's trying to tempt Jesus with. And many fell for this temptation. That's why we see the, the unbalance of wealth, power, and, and authority in the earth. Because many of us will never bow down to Satan. It don't matter what he tempts us with. We know we are content whether we are rich or poor. Have a home or homeless. With a job, without a job. With kids, without kids. Our lives are complete in Christ. Amen. So, verse 7 He's saying to Jesus, I will give you all these things. If you then will worship me, it will all be yours. And that is what he says to many. And that is why they say, show me the pen. Give me the pen so I can sign my name in blood because I want all what the devil just showed me and they know they are selling their souls to the devil. How we know this? Because many has have given their, their testimony that they knew exactly what was happening. Now, some were, were duped, but some fully knew that in order to achieve 
that high level of success. I'm talking about being paid $20 million for a picture, being paid $50 million for an album. I'm talking about having five-year contracts worth 30, 40, 50, 60, 100 million dollars just to throw a basketball in a hoop. They knew that if they joined the Illuminati, they will be successful. Their, their records will be at the top of the charts. They will get endorsements. They will get sponsors. They will they will get airtime, airplay. They will get great promotion. Why? Because Satan will give you what you want. All the while deceiving you. The great deception. So he tells he says to Jesus, verse 7. If you then will worship me, it will all be yours. And Jesus answered him, it is written, you shall not worship, no, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. Amen. And then he took him to Jerusalem and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, if you are, here we go, trying to place doubt. He is pulling out the same numbers he ran on Eve in the garden. Listen, he is not original. He is he is doing it to this day, making us doubt God because something is happening in our lives and we believe God ain't showing up. Listen, he says, if you are casting doubt on his identity. If you are the son of God, throw yourself down from here for it is written. Beloved, let us not be mistaken. The devil knows scripture. Mm -hmm. And this is why his agents in the pulpit know scripture enough to twist it. They know the word of God and yet they twist it. They adulterated it anyway. Blackest darkness is in their future if they don't repent. And it will not be delayed. Nope. So, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you. And on, and on their hands, look, he is quoting the scriptures. And on their hands, they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. We see this here in Psalms 90 and Psalm 91, don't we? Yeah, the devil knows scripture. So, and Jesus answered him in verse 12. It is, it is, it is said, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. And when the devil had ended every temptation, whoo, look at that. Thank you, Holy Spirit. That's all the temptations he has. He's, look, the scripture just said, and when the devil had ended every temptation, which is what? John told us what every temptation of the devil is. 
the lust. Let's go to it. Hold on. And when the devil, verse 13, had ended every temptation, he departed from him until an opportune time. That is true also because James tells us that when we submit ourselves to God, like Jesus is doing right here, submitting himself to God, resisting the devil, and this is what Jesus is doing right here, and the devil will flee. And that is exactly what the devil did here. He fled. He departed from him. So, Let's go real quick over there to the letters of John to find out what is Satan every temptation. Because the Bible just told us when the devil had ended every temptation. So we need to know what those temptations are so that we are not deceived. Here we go. 1 John 2, 15 to 17, listen to the Amplified because we are commanded, do not love the world. Do not love the world of sin that opposes God and his precepts. Precepts are teachings, instructions, nor the things that are in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him for all that is in the world here we go so right holy spirit thank you when when john is saying for all that is in the world for all he's talking about all of the world's temptations that come from satan did we not just read over there when Jesus was being tempted in the wilderness? It ended by telling us that after Satan has tempted him with all temptations, all. And so John here is saying what all those temptations are. He's saying for all that is in the world, what world? The world that is ran by Satan because the Bible tells us that Satan is the God with a little g of this world. So all that is in Satan's world is the same numbers. He played with Eve. He tried it on Jesus, but it failed. But he, but he gives it out to every person who wants not Jesus Christ. So, verse 16 of 1 John 2, for all that is in the world, here we go, the lust and sensual craving of the flesh and the lust and longing of the eyes and the boastful pride of life, which is what? Pretentious confidence and one's resources. Here we go with all this worldly wisdom and quote unquote enlightenment. Mm. or the stability of earthly things, these things. Listen, our careers, money, and job, our degrees cannot, cannot supersede what Christ offers us, which is what? Eternal life. But Satan will tell you to put all of that on display, Put your wisdom on display. 
put those plaques, awards, and degrees you have attained on your wall and make them call you by a doctor, a lawyer, a politician, whatever. Show it off. It's saying that, where it says, pretensions, confidence, and one's resources or in the stability of earthly things. These things do not come from the Father, but are from the world. And let us not be mistaken about what's going to happen to this world. It is passing away and with it is lust the shameful pursuits and ungodly longings but the one who does the will of God and carries out his purposes lives forever amen so let us get back I tell you these buddy trails but I love them let us get back to how we can't use the feeble excuse about how the devil made me do it listen the devil made me do it is far too often used to excuse our own bad choices, except in an instance of demon possession. The devil cannot make us do anything. The devil is absolutely worthy of blame for much of the evil in the world, but using the devil as a scapegoat for our own sinful choices is counterproductive to achieving victory over sin. Listen, demon possession is a condition in which a demon or demons have complete control over a person. Demon possession involves demons actually inhabiting a person and controlling his or her actions. And we can look at Mark 9, 22 that says, and it has often cast him into fire and into water to, to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Amen. So we as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, who are spirit filled, blood bought, cannot be demon possessed the indwelling holy spirit will not allow it will not listen ephesians 5:18 and do not get drunk with wine for that is debauchery but be filled with the spirit romans 8:9 you however are not in the flesh but in the spirit if in fact the Spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of God does not belong to him. Amen. Beloved, therefore, the devil and his demons cannot control a believer. They cannot make us do anything involuntarily. So rather than blame the devil, we need to look at ourselves. James 1.14 declares each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Yep. So why do we sin? We sin because we are sinners. 
That is why if you are in Christ, you who are filled with his spirit, John tells us you cannot continue to go on sinning. So if you are practicing sin habitually, you may not have been converted. You may still, in fact, be a sinner because sinners, sinners sin. And before coming to Christ, we were all sinners. So sinners sin. Before coming to Christ, we were plagued. We were, we were plagued by and infected with sin. Please study Romans 3, 10 to 23. Because in essence, Romans 3, 10 is telling us about how none is righteous. No, not one. That's why we needed to be born again. No one understands. No one seeks for God. All have turned aside together they have become worthless. No one does does good, not even one. Yes. So while demonic oppression and influence are real, the primary problem is our sinful natures. Yes, the works of the flesh. Now the now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, excuse me, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. Paul tells us this in Galatians 5, 19 to 21, because if we notice, it's the works of the flesh in this list, not the works of the devil. Yes, beloved. So as followers of Christ, we have the indwelling Holy Spirit to help us overcome sin. Yes, we do. Listen, 1 John 4, 4. Little children, you are from God and have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Amen. Beloved, we have everything we need for life and godliness. We see this in 2 Peter 1, 3. Listen, if we willfully sin, we have no excuse. None. We cannot blame the devil. We cannot blame our circumstances. We can only blame ourselves. And until we recognize that the problem resolve, resides within us, we will never arrive at the solution. Listen, it may sound harsh. To tell someone that the problem is himself and his own choices. But it's no harsher than a doctor telling a patient to quit smoking. And that the tobacco company is not the blame for his poor health. To find a cure, you have to start with a correct diagnosis. And then move to correct 
treatment. The correct diagnosis is sin, not the devil. Okay. It is willful sin. And the treatment is to submit to God and obey his word because God can enable us to to achieve victory over sin. Do we need to pull out Romans 6? Do we? Because in there, it tells us that sin is no longer our master. Christ defeated sin. Therefore, the power and the control that sin had over us has been defeated at the cross. Yes. So, you and I, if we commit a sin, the devil did not make us do it. He may have tempted us to do it. He may have even influenced us to do it. But he did not make us do it. We still have a choice. God never allows you and I to be tempted beyond our ability to withstand. And he always always provides a way of escape. We see this in 1 Corinthians 10, 13. So when a believer says how the devil made me do it, well, they are denying the truth of 1 John 4, 4. Mm -hmm. Because if, right, Holy Spirit, if you are a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, who is spirit-filled and you have come to the knowledge of Jesus Christ and for you to willfully sin and say that the devil made you do it as if the devil is greater than the spirit who lives on the inside of you, you better repent because you are not living in the truth. You are, in fact, denying the truth of 1 John 4, 4 that tells us that he who is greater in us is greater than he that is in the world. We better be careful what we are talking about. Take accountability for your sins. Stop passing the buck as if this is the Garden of Eden. Stop it. So we cannot allow ourselves to be deceived with self-deception. So in closing, let us tackle this and then I'm going to let y'all go. So let us find out what the Bible says about self-deception. Because as you and I both know, we live in a world full of lies. Of lies and deceit which comes from many sources. There are lying spirits who lead astray. We see this in 1 Timothy 4.1. Now, the Spirit expressly says that in the latter times, in the later times, some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and teachings of demons. Mm-hmm. Beloved, please wake up. There are evildoers and imposters looking for dupes. 
Second mm-hmm. Timothy three thirteen. While evil people and imposters will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. Oh yes, and and perhaps the most insidious, we have ourselves to deal with. Self deception is common in this fallen world. Yes, our own hearts, beloved, are deceitful. So much that we can easily fool ourselves. Listen, Jesus tells us in Jeremiah 17, verse 9, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? Amen. Right, Holy Spirit. And this is why the Bible teaches us that we are to guard our hearts for out of it flows the issues of our lives. Do you not know that God has taken out that stony heart and put in a new flesh heart? So if what's coming out of your heart is what Christ describes over there in Mark 7 20 you may not be born again listen study nope let's go to it because Jesus tells us that defilement comes from within so if we come down here where we at Mark 7 if we come down here to verse 20 yep And he said, what comes out of a man is what defiles a man. That defiles a man. For from within, out of the heart of men, proceed evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murders, deaths, covetousness, wickedness, deceit. See? This is what comes out of a heart that has not been regenerated. Deceit, lewdness, an evil eye, blasphemy, pride, foolishness. Verse 23, all these evil things, Jesus says, come from within and defile a man. Amen. And then we see Isaiah 44, 20 speaks of an idolater who is misled by his own deluded heart. The prophet Obadiah identifies arrogance as one of the roots of self-deception when he says in Obadiah 1.3, the pride of your heart has deceived you. Amen. Listen, human pride always blinds us to truth it promises honor but it delivers disgrace proverbs 16 18 pride goes before destruction a haughty spirit before a fall yes beloved listen james 1 warns us against deceiving ourselves Listen, he says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Amen. Beloved, we cannot be listeners only. We must be doers of the word. Otherwise, we will deceive ourselves. Listen, 
this self decept this self deception that James has in mind relates to an inappropriate response to truth. God's word is meant to change us. Psalm one nineteen eleven. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Amen. Beloved, when we store up God's word in our hearts, we will not willfully, deliberately, purposefully, blatantly sin against him. You want to know why? Because we put the flesh on the facts of 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 10. We put it on Revelation 20. We put it on Romans 6, 23. We put it on the full chapter of Galatians 5 and Romans 3 and many more scriptures. The facts, the fact, no, the truth remains the same across from Genesis to Revelation. The unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God. And when we put our sins on those facts, those scriptures on God's word, then we will not be prone to sin. Why? Because we fully understand that the consequences of sin leads, leads to eternal separation from God, which is the second death, aka lake of fire. Yes. So, and then we have John seventeen seventeen that tells Jesus in his prayer is asking the Father, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. That's where we will find truth in the word of God. So we can sit up in these apostate churches for years listening to tickling ear sermons. But if we never allow the word we hear preached, change us because we need, let me back that up. We need, first of all, we need to be in fellowships that actually preach and teach the full counsel of God. So when we hear the real gospel, when we hear the true wholesome teachings of Jesus Christ, it will change our lives. Your life is not going to change when the bishop who is steeped in adultery tries to tell you that all you have to do to receive God's favor and blessing is to tithe. But what about the sin you are still living in? Well, you will never be fully convicted because every time you go to church, all you hear about is the blessing of Abraham. Hmm. So, we can read the Bible from cover to cover, but unless we put its commands into practice, we deceive ourselves. Oh, yes, we do. Listen, I'm trying to let y'all go, but listen. Such deception is common among religious people who accumulate truth in their minds, assuming that this is what quote unquote true religion is all about. But scripture was not given merely to produce Bible scholars. It was given so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped 
for every good work. We see this in 2 Timothy 3.17. Holding the truth in one's mind is not necessarily a character-changing quality. James 1.23-24 illustrates. Merely looking at oneself in a mirror is not necessarily an appearance-changing experience. The mirror can tell us our hair is a mess, but unless we get out the brush and attack the problem, the tangles will remain. And James goes on to contrast self-deceived worthless religion with pure and faultless religion, giving a practical example of each. One type of self de- one type of self-deception is to believe that our words do not matter. Those listen, James 126, those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves and their religion is worthless. Mm-hmm. So, self-deception is illustrated tragically by Samson. Yep. This mighty hero of Israel disclosed the secret of his strength to Delilah, who betrayed him to his enemies as he slept. Once his hair had been cut, Delilah called Samson. The Philistines are upon you. Samson awoke from his sleep and thought, I'll go out as before and shake myself free. But he did not know that the Lord had left him. Amen. We can read all about this in Judges 16, 20. Because Samson learned the hard way that forgetting the word of God is a form of self-deception. Let us not forget the bravado of the giant Goliath. That's another example of self-deception. He strutted and boasted and flung insults at Israel, sure that his great size and physical strength would ensure victory against the much smaller and weaker David. But he was wrong. In fact, Goliath didn't even know what the battle he was fighting. He he didn't didn't even know what battle he was fighting because his fight was not with David, but with David's God. And we can read all about this in 1 Samuel 17, 41 to 51. So, beloved, self-deception can also occur in relation to one's security. As Jesus, as shown in in Jesus' parable of the rich fool, the man in the story was thrilled that his land produced an unusually abundant crop. He believed he had come to a time in his life when he could take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. We see this over there in Luke 12, 19. 
But this was wishful thinking for he would die that very night. He was deceived that he was going to live to be a ripe old age counting counting his money. But in verse 20, his life was taken from him. Just like with the church of Laodicea. They was the victim of self-deception concerning their spiritual condition. Listen, this lukewarm church had so convinced itself that everything was all right. Listen to Revelation 3.17a. This, this is their mindset. I am rich. Okay, I have acquired wealth. And do not need a thing. Woo, you're talking about self-deception. And this is the lukewarm church. And many today, many lukewarm Christians feel this same way. And Jesus, who always speaks the truth, set them straight. Beloved, let me tell you something. When you are going the wrong way, Jesus will get your stuff straight for you. Yes, he would, because he says in verse 17b of Revelation 3, you do not realize. So that tells us they are self-deceived. You do not realize that you are wretched because they said, I am rich. Jesus says you are pitiful, but they said, I have acquired wealth. And he said, you are poor, blind, and naked because they were saying they didn't need anything. (laughs) Thank you, Holy Spirit. So who's deceived? They are. Jesus is not (laughs) confused. He is not confused about their situation. They are. They are so beloved to avoid self-deception. We must be like the one who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it. They will be blessed in what they do. And that is James 125. Amen. Amen. Father, how great was this study today. And I pray that it brought you glory. We must remember the word, doing the word, and continuing in the word. And this is my heartfelt desire, my prayer for the saints. This is what changes character. This is what counters self-delusion. When we look into your word, as a mirror, we will always be shown the truth. Thank you for being truth. Thank you for being wisdom unto us. Thank you, Lord Jesus Christ. We await your coming. And we will keep ourselves in your word, being rooted and trained, grounded, in righteousness. May your Holy Spirit continue to yield us, prompt us to your teachings, bringing to our remembrance all that you have taught. 
thank you that we have your word where we will find truth. We will see you in the scriptures from Genesis to Revelation. Thank you for being our redeemer. And we look forward to our glorification of these lowly bodies. Bless your name, Father. In Jesus' mighty name, I pray. Amen. Amen. All right, beloved. Listen, I am completely out of time. Sorry for that pause. I had to take that call. But repent and believe. Stop sinning and turn back to God. Do not be deceived. Bad company will always corrupt good morals. We cannot, oh, hold on, hold on. I gotta, oh, I cannot, I will be remiss if I don't give you all Matthew 7, 21 to 23, because you're talking about great deception. We believe that we are the prophet, the bishop, the evangelist, the pastor, the apostle, and the teacher, and all the while, This is what Jesus will tell to many who are self-deluded. Listen, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my father who is in heaven on that day. What day? The day when he will judge the inhabited world. Many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then will I declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Amen. Amen. And Lord willing, until next time, I shall be speaking to you all soon. Bye for now. guys for tuning in i truly appreciate all your support until next time i'll be talking to y'all soon bye